If you're a person who loves words, you're a logophile. And of course, logophiles are probably the only people who would actually ever use that word. And we definitely have a few word nerds in the Pearson family. We can easily bore others with extended conversations about word meanings and usage. So one area that's always fascinated me is how many foreign words we have fully integrated into the English language. Everyday words like faux pas or doppelganger or acapella. So we took notice in our house when it was reported that on October 2nd of this year that the Merriam-Webster Dictionary's website had a 30,500% increase, 30,500% increase in searches for the word schadenfreude. If you're not familiar or not one of the contributors to that 30,500% increase a few weeks ago, schadenfreude is a German word literally translated as damage, joy. Until recently, it was most regularly used by psychoanalysts and moral philosophers. On October 2nd, it was all over the news. Schadenfreude is joy experienced at the misfortune of another. On October 2nd, we received news that our president was diagnosed with COVID-19. There were those who found great irony in this turn of events, and assuredly, there were even those who delighted in the news. Let that sink in for a minute. Both of the readings this morning, from Leviticus and from Matthew, exhort God's people to love your neighbor as yourself. And this is the third time I've been tasked with preaching on these very words in my three years at St. John's. And y'all know we're on a three-year cycle of readings. So that tells you that this message is everywhere in Scripture. There are more than 18 direct messages about loving your neighbor from Leviticus and Deuteronomy through all of the Synoptic Gospels and in the epistles of Romans, Galatians, and James. Perhaps there is a reason it has to be said so many times. Loving our neighbor isn't always easy. We are a week and a half away from an historic election in our country. So much is in turmoil. Our economy, our social order, our very health. November 3rd will be a moment in which we each have a chance to decide how we will love our neighbor on that day and in the days following. I offer that the uptick in searches for schadenfreude on October 2nd is a warning to us to all pray about how we can best guard our hearts, our lips, and our minds, and how we can best love our neighbor, even if they don't seem to love us.
My friends, the commandment is not to love only those who love us, nor is it to only love the neighbors we find lovable. Loving doesn't mean agreeing. Loving does mean not finding joy in the misfortune of our neighbor. Matthew's Jesus answers the Pharisee, a lawyer, about which is the greatest commandment in the law by saying, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. All, all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. When we commit all of ourselves to loving the Lord our God with everything we are and everything we have, loving our neighbor will flow out of that. When all we have is focused on loving God, there is no space for finding joy in another's misfortune. There is only the clear knowledge that our well-being is intimately tied up in the well-being of every other, every neighbor. As we move through the coming weeks, there will be some who are delighted by the outcome of the election and some who will be dismayed no matter who wins or loses. Take a deep breath. That neighbor you are struggling to tolerate, let God love them through you. Focusing all your heart, mind, and soul on your love of God. Everything flows from that. Be well, my friends. I miss you.